of November. Let's pray together the prayer of abandonment by St. Charles de Foucault in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Wednesday, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And you can watch the video live stream that Travis is working on through the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Up this hour, Dr. Jim Schrader will talk about helping your kids deal with grief. A great topic for the month of the Holy Souls. Chris McGregor joins us. Today is the Feast of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. And she's got a selection from St. Elizabeth's writings to reflect upon today. Gary Zimak will look at a psalm to help you through hard times, and then Ken Craycraft will unpack election results after a uh, pretty intense day yesterday. The day after uh, elections is always kind of like a, I just kind of want to lay down on the couch for a while. But Ken Craycraft's got some analysis, so stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The pro-life community is lamenting the vote in Ohio to enshrine abortion in the state constitution. With nearly 57 percent of the vote, issue one passed on Election Day yesterday and the ambiguous amendment barring any legal challenges should go into effect in 30 days. Cincinnati Archbishop Dennis Schnur released a statement saying, quote, The people of Ohio missed this important opportunity to demonstrate that the health and safety of women, the fundamental rights of parents, and the lives of pre-born children deserve protection. Despite this outcome, we are grateful for all of you who prayed, educated yourselves and others, and voted no on this horrific amendment. And we praise God for the gift of his great love and mercy, which he continues to pour out on us in good times and bad. Archbishop Schnur said, quote, The passage of issue one shows that there remains a desperate need for conversion of hearts and minds to a culture of life in our country, one that respects the inherent dignity and sacredness of every human being from conception to natural death. This conversion will only come about through the witness of our earnest prayer and compassionate care for the most vulnerable among us, end quote. President Biden, however, is celebrating the passage of issue one in Ohio, calling it a win for democracy. Biden released a statement following the news saying that, quote, Americans once again voted to protect their fundamental freedoms, end quote. In other election results, Kentucky's Democratic Governor Andy Beshear has won re-election after fending off a challenge from Republican Attorney General Daniel Cameron. 
In Mississippi, Republican Governor Tate Reeves defeated Democratic Public Service Commissioner Brandon Presley. The Biden administration is stressing that Israel has a right to defend itself from Hamas as the administration faces growing pressure to push for a ceasefire. Mark Mayfield has more. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said President Biden has discussed brief humanitarian pauses with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to allow aid to get into Gaza. The White House, however, not calling for a permanent ceasefire at this time. Netanyahu has also said he would not consider a ceasefire until all hostages held by Hamas are released. This comes as Israel is bombarding the Gaza Strip and thousands of civilians have been killed. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Holy See has made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land. Archbishop Gabriela Cacha spoke at the UN this week calling for the absolute protection of every civilian. He said, quote, it is imperative that hospitals and medical facilities, refugee camps, schools, as well as places of worship and other premises are not targeted by anyone, end quote. The Supreme Court is deciding whether people who are subjects of protective orders should be allowed to keep their guns. Arguments heard by the court yesterday involve a Texas man who assaulted his ex-girlfriend and threatened to shoot her if she told anyone. Solicitor General Elizabeth Preliger argued that this should be an easy case to decide as the Constitution allows for the disarming of dangerous individuals. An appeals court ruled in favor of the woman's former boyfriend, saying that gun bans violate the Second Amendment. And Americans currently owe more than a trillion dollars on their credit cards. Brian Shook reports. That's according to a new report on household debt from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. It found that credit card balances spiked by over $150 billion year over year. It's the largest increase this century. Credit card delinquency rates also went up, especially among millennials burdened with high levels of student loan debt. I'm Brian Shook. Today is Wednesday, November the 8th. It is the Feast of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. Pray for us. Much more on her a little bit later this hour. Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Dr. James Schrader joins us. It's six past. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Lord Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Joined now by Dr. James Schrader, Vice President of the Psychology and Wellness Department at Easter Seals Rehabilitation Center. He's online at james-schrader.com. Dr. Schrader, good morning. Yeah, good morning. You know, we sort of take for granted, uh, those of us who have been on the planet for several decades, 
that when we talk about the holy souls in purgatory, we all kind of think back on who we miss and you know how we're praying for them. But for those who are under the age of ten and haven't been through a whole decade yet, uh, grief is grief is going to hit a little different. So, some are, what are some of the ways to maybe understand how to help kids? Uh, maybe process grief, especially during this month of the Holy Souls? Yeah, I think the first thing we have to understand is what happens with development and how does that change kids' perception of grief. So typically, and again, this doesn't hold exactly fast for every child, but typically kids who are preschool age do not understand two things about death. They don't understand that it's permanent, and they don't understand that it's inevitable. So I think that when we're talking with very young kids and we're trying to process what's going on, let's say a a four-year-old, we have to recognize they don't recognize, they don't understand that this is, again, permanent and inevitable um, in regards to someone's passing. So that, that changes the way we may talk about it. We may be kind of confused sometimes with their reaction, but that's important there. Once the kids typically get to school age, they start to understand the permanence of death, um, but they don't recognize that it's inevitable typically until around the age of you know, 9, 10, 11. And so um, they may not kind of realize and understand their own, you know, that eventually they will die someday and that that will happen there. And so I think the first thing is you've got to understand kind of where your kids are at in the developmental stage before you can ever kind of process any grief of any kind. Right. I mean, you can't just do a blanket statement. And there are a lot of people listening who have kids at multiple stages of this, right? right? So, right. I mean, I guess that calls for multiple levels of sensitivity. It really does, yeah. And, you know, again, with very young kids, you may just be talking about, you know, that they've, they've passed on and that they've died, um, but you may have to recognize that other questions are going to come up later on once they understand things better, that it doesn't indicate anything's wrong. It's just that, you know, neurologically speaking, they're kind of ready to think about things at a deeper level. But I think beyond the development, the other piece of it that we really want to do is I, I have, you know, three rules in my office with kids that are really important that I always vet with the kids and the parents. And the first is, you know, are you entitled to any emotion that you have? And I, and I think it's really important for kids to understand the answer is yes. Like, whatever emotion they have about someone passing, whether it's sadness, anger, you know, disappointment, confusion, whatever, we really have to honor that and really talk to our kids um, and let them know that we're open to hearing about that. The second thing is, you know, the second rule is kind of, are they allowed to have any thoughts at all, even if it differs from people around them? And, um, again, the answer really needs to be yes, that even though parents and others are going to teach them things that are important, they're entitled to their own thoughts. And kids may have some strange thoughts about, you know, someone dying or something that doesn't quite line up with how you think they should think. And while I think as parents it's important to teach our kids different traditions and teach our kids how to handle, um, you know, we feel like when someone passes, we also have to recognize we need to be open to the kind of thoughts that they have. Um, And, you know, the third one is more of can you act however you want based on how you think and feel? Well, you can act however you want, but, of course, sometimes that can get, you know, in trouble if you're a kid. And so I think the second level is just saying, hey, we really as parents have to be open to kind of entertaining whatever thoughts and feelings come our way and then have conversations that lead out from there. And that is where, you know, I think it can be very difficult when you've got a bunch of people in the same room and someone's processing it one way and another person's processing it another way. And sometimes those things don't match up. I mean, we have that kind of problem as adults, right? Where somebody wants to tell a funny story about this person that we've just lost and somebody else is like, I'm not ready for funny stuff yet. (laughs) I mean, we we know that even as adults, we have those issues. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, think about the different stories and the things that come up at the funeral home or 
in other places. And for some, it might be uh, a story that really engenders a, a sense of a feeling of goodness, but for someone else, it might not engender that at all. And so I think with our kids, you know, helping them um, understand their own reactions and why death, even for us adults, can be a very confusing thing is okay. Like, again, it goes back to this idea, like, if your kids are confused, like, it's okay. I mean, we're still confused. <laughs> I'm 46, and I sometimes don't understand the best way to deal with someone that is, you know, has passed. Um, and so I think the third, the third thing I would just say for parents is, while death is a very, very sad thing, and we need to honor whatever feelings and however we're processing that, um, I always, I think we all know that the closer you are to someone, the harder death hurts, and that the reason it does is because that person has truly impacted your life probably in many good ways, even if not all of it's good, right? And so we want to honor this with our kids. We want to find ways to truly help them celebrate, like whether it's a grandparent or even in a situation with a parent or someone really close, like how can we still celebrate the impact and the person that they are and have been for our child's lives? And I think that, you know, there's so many creative ways that we can help our kids other things that they make or, you know, they, they sing or, or they pray or whatever else it is. But, um, you know, we all have to deal with this passing, and I, I think that the ways that we help our kids celebrate um, can truly be probably the most transformative at all when we're dealing with this topic. Yeah, we were just talking about this with our Bible Foods lady, Rita Heikenfeld, right, who does these segments. Like, you can even do this through recipes, right? You can, uh, and, yeah. And this is, this is a great way to kind of have that sort of concrete, tangible you know, experience of the senses that connects you back with that person. I love that. Yeah, I love the idea of a recipe. I love the idea of thinking five years later you could be making something and it's a celebration of, you know, let's say your grandparent who passed because this recipe was something that was so part of that, you know, person's tradition and who they were. And it was obviously much more than food. It was very life-giving. It was very joyful-giving. And so um, I think when, when we help our kids find joyful ways of celebrating people, even in sad moments, you know, days later, years later, whatever, we ourselves are renewed with this idea that every single person that we're given that impacts us in a positive way is really a gift. And it's easy to be caught up in like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to carry on or how I'm going to feel when this person's gone. What if they were never there in the first place, right? What if they were never there in the first place? The loss would have been so much greater. And I think when our kids understand that message too, oh, wow, yeah, you're right. The loss would have been so much greater than they recognize the beauty of each person as God's design. Well, thank you so much, Dr. James Schrader. You can find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, subscribe, get the show notes in your inbox daily. And let's remember, during this month of the Holy Souls, uh, to continue to pray for our beloved dead and that the souls of the faithful departed may, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. It's a quarter past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Look at the star. This is it. You truly believe that this child is the chosen one. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Federal guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere this Friday. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. 
Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. One of the reasons we should go to Mass is because it is the food of the saints that we receive. And for the saints, they understood rightly that the time after Holy Communion, that those moments are the most precious moments of our lives. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from the EWTN Chapel, every morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. The pro-life community is lamenting the vote in Ohio to enshrine abortion in the state constitution. In gubernatorial races, Kentucky Democratic Governor Andy Bashir and of, I said Kentucky, and uh, Mississippi Republican Governor Tate Reeves both won re-election yesterday. And the Holy See has made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna Mitchell, I know you're going to talk a lot more about the various results, um, not just this hour with King Craycraft, but actually next hour as well uh, mm-hmm. to kind of unpack some things. So lots to process, lots to think about, lots, lots to pray to about. Lots to pray about. Um, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a person who embroils myself in politics if I can help it. I try and do my civic duty. Well, and that's what's so disappointing about this. I'll just say this right now. I don't know if you have something else you want to talk about that's a little more uplifting. I have literally anything in the world I would rather talk about than the state of politics in the United States of yeah. America. Um, but being an Ohioan today is particularly difficult um, to process. And um, what I think is – how do I put this? What I'm really, really disappointed about – I mean, aside from the results, is the fact that this was up for a vote at all. Um, People have heard me say this um, in in various venues, but we are in this post-obs world now in a a country that is divided, hasn't been this divided since the time of slavery, in which it was contingent on – what state you were in, whether or not your life was considered to have dignity. And the fact that we were putting such an issue, and I hate to even call it an issue, but for lack of a better word, the fact that this was on the ballot and people were voting on this, pitting the lives of mothers against the lives of their children is just unthinkable to me. I mean, obviously, I went to the polls and and voted um, because that's the world in which we live. And we had to do what we could to to fight for the cause of life here. But the fact that this was up for a vote is just unreal to me. Just unreal. 
So well, the but bear in mind that um, you know these are kind of like the natural consequences of of and we talk about this all the time. This is not what makes it into the national conversation, but this is why people might wonder why we focus on some of these things on the Sunrise Morning Show. Why don't you focus on winning an issue? And we do talk about that sometimes too. But why do we talk about like nominalism? Um, yeah. Why do we talk about Gnosticism? Why do we talk about anthropology? Why do we talk about any of this stuff? Because when it comes to the the national conversation, nobody's thinking about any of that stuff. And those are the foundational things. Like if you don't have uh, an anthropology, if you don't know what a human being is, then how are you supposed to know what's best for one? Mm-hmm. If you don't know what reality and truth are, then and you can just name anything, anything you want to name it, then how are you supposed to how are you supposed to track the, the arguments? It's, yeah. it, these are these are these are problems that happen. Uh, they manifest on the political level, but their roots go so much deeper. They go to the philosophy. They go to the theology. They go to the anthropology, and they go to the core of the, the human person. Of the, the heart of the human person. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hello, I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. We often hear about famous last words. The Bible, of course, is no exception here. From the book of Joshua, the final chapter, Joshua says to the people, Decide today whom you will serve, the gods your fathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose country you are dwelling? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As Joshua prepared to spend his last days on earth, he was very concerned about what he saw within the people of Israel. It appeared to him that although God had done so much for them, they were not always expressing gratitude to God for the things that God had done. In fact, they were beginning, it seems, to step away from God And so Joshua worries about their remaining in the promised land. Will they remain there, or will they lose everything through their idolatry? And so to give them every spiritual advantage, Joshua challenges them to join him. Decide today whom you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. For Sacred Heart Radio... I'm Father Timothy Shear. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Our selection from the Office of Readings for this week is for the November 8th Feast of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. She is your girl. What should we know about her? We love St. Elizabeth of the Trinity here at Discerning Hearts. She is someone who was introduced to us uh, long ago by Dr. Anthony Lillis, probably mm-hmm. one of the premier scholars on this great saint, who whose mission was to help bring people into a deeper prayer, into the heart of the Trinity. She was much beloved by St. John Paul II, 
And I was just so excited to be with Dr. Lillis on October 16th of 2016. I remember it so well because Man. we were hoping for it. That's when she became a saint. Wow. And so, um, yeah, St. Elizabeth the Trinity, a beautiful Carmelite uh, who died in 1906 at a young age. It's very similar in some ways to St. Therese. Mm. And in this reading that we have in the Divine Office for her feast day is actually a prayer she wrote, correct? It is. It's, it's, it was actually placed in the catechism before she even became a blessed. Such a beautiful, uh, one of the few that had, had uh, been placed for our reflection that was not at that time by a saint or a blessed but then she that turned around, and of course, it's the Holy Trinity whom I adore. And mm-hmm. it has such profound insights on the relationship of the Trinity. And our um, our interaction, our, our dwelling within it. And so we're, we're just so grateful to have St. Elizabeth the Trinity in the Office of Readings. All right. The language in this prayer is incredible, Chris. I know you know this, but I'm, I'm looking at these lines like, Make my soul your heaven. Come upon me and create in my soul a kind of incarnation of the word that I may be another humanity for him. And I've read that this morning. I was like, whoa, if I thought about and desired my life to be another humanity for Jesus, like, wow, that's unreal. Oh, but that's exactly what happened when you, uh, when you, uh, by virtue of probably your parents initially, but then your continual yes mm-hmm. to that invitation at baptism. When we say yes, then he comes and he makes his dwelling within us. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Elizabeth of the Trinity in her great retreats, Heaven and Faith, and then last retreat, she's constantly reminding us, don't forget what happened at your baptism, mm-hmm. because he comes to dwell in us. I become another tabernacle. And he comes in not just a a tabernacle, but an actual another humanity that he can go out and live out in the world and touch others and love others. Let him come and dwell in me and let me become little so he can do his work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And she's such a beautiful example of of that very point that uh, that we can live out our baptism. I was also struck by the line, Chris, and I'm hoping you can reflect on this. I surrender myself as your prey. Wow. How about that? That is the line that always jumps out for everybody. Because <laughs> when we think about what's what does that mean? I'm going to be your prey. It's like Jesus says, you know, what is he a lion? Well, mm-hmm. sometimes he is He's like Aslam. But um, he also is, it's what she is in, uh, as Dr. Lillis breaks open for so many of us to understand that, it's that it's in our complete surrender. Take me, you know, you know, just allow me. You have come for me. Take me. I surrender myself. That's why he came into the world to bring the souls back into, into relationship, into the heart of the Trinity with the father. He comes, he wants to consume us. We hear that so often in the, in the writings of the, of the saints. So what Elizabeth of, of the Trinity is just saying, here I am. I'm way out there. <laughs> Let me be your prey. Take me. I surrender myself completely to you. It's uh, quite a remarkable thought, isn't it? Holy surrendered to your creative action as she puts it. Yeah, yeah, I love that idea of being 
consume because we consume the Lord and in so doing, we can then be consumed by him. Exactly. I mean, in this, it's so uh, compelling because in that third paragraph, she really highlights the relationships of the of the Holy Spirit come upon me and creating my soul, a kind of incarnation of the word. I may be in, like, as you said, another humanity for him in which he can renew his whole ministry um, and mystery. Oh, Father, bending lovingly over your poor little creature, cover her with your shadow, Mm. seeing in her only the beloved in whom you are well pleased. See, again, that is so anchored into the, it goes all the way back to the scriptures. It's such a Carmelite way, but it's also very much a Christian, a very much a Catholic way. It's that Galatians 2.20. It is not I who live, but it's Christ who dwells in me. Yeah. And, and she said, there's such a poignant line in here. Let me never, uh, may I never leave you there alone, but be wholly present, my faith, wholly vigilant, wholly adoring, wholly surrendered to your creative action. Where? May I never leave you alone? Where? inside of me. Don't let me forget. You know, oftentimes, Anna, we talk about adoration, how it's important to sit with the Lord, and it is. It's one of my great devotional practices to go before the Blessed Sacrament and pray. And we encourage that. But what Elizabeth is saying, don't leave him alone inside of you. He's as much present there inside of you because he's made his dwelling. That's his home. How was she taught this? She knew this. That's the great... She could become a doctor of the church one day, this wisdom that this little this little Carmelite nun, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, so wonderful. Don't miss her retreats, her, her heaven and faith and last retreat as well. Well, thank you so much, Chris McGregor. Don't miss out on all that she has available at discerninghearts.com on St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, pray for us. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show, it's time for news. The pro-life community is mourning today after a vote in Ohio to enshrine abortion in the state constitution. With nearly 57% of the vote, issue one passed on election day yesterday for the ambiguous amendment to go into effect. Protect Women Ohio, the organization that led the fight to defeat Issue 1, released a statement saying, quote, Our hearts are broken tonight, not because we lost an election, but because Ohio families, women and children will bear the brunt of this vote. They said, rest assured, the pro-life movement is more united than ever. We stand ready during this unthinkable time to advocate for women and the unborn, just as we always have done. We persevered for 50 years to overturn Roe v. Wade. Ours is a movement that has always endured and always will. Tomorrow, the work starts again as we fight to be a voice for the voiceless and advocate for women and parents, end quote. President Biden, for his part, is celebrating the passage of issue one. He called it a win for democracy, releasing a statement following the news. The president said, quote, Americans once again voted to protect their fundamental freedoms, end quote. In other election results, Kentucky Democratic Governor Andy Bashir won re-election after fending off a challenge from Republican Attorney General Daniel Cameron. In Mississippi, Republican Governor Tate Reeves defeated Democratic Public Service Commissioner 
Brandon Presley. And it looks like the Virginia state legislature will be dominated by Democrats. The House is voting to censure Michigan Democrat Rashida Tlaib over her criticisms of Israel following Hamas's deadly attack on the U.S. ally. Mark Mayfield reports. Georgia representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene and Rich McCormick both introduced two new resolutions this week to reprimand Tlaib. This comes after Greene's first effort to censure the Michigan lawmaker last week failed after nearly two dozen Republicans joined Democrats to table the measure. The reprimand passed in a 234 to 188 vote. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Holy See has made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Archbishop Gabriele Caccia addressed the U.N. General Assembly in New York on Monday on the humanitarian situation in Gaza. He reiterated that the Holy See is calling for a just peace that meets Palestinian and Israeli demands. He also expressed the Holy See's concern for the humanitarian crisis in Gaza and insisted on the need for the upholding of support and protection provided to civilians by the United Nations Relief and Works Agency he appealed that that aid and protection be able to continue. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Five presidential candidates will take the stage tonight in Miami for the third GOP debate. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie will participate in the Miami debate. So will former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, Ohio entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum did not meet the RNC's criteria. Former President Trump, who is considered to be the favorite, according to polls, to win the GOP nomination, is skipping the debate. The Supreme Court is deciding whether people who are subjects of protective orders should be allowed to keep their guns. Arguments heard by the court yesterday involve a Texas man who assaulted his ex-girlfriend and threatened to shoot her if she told anyone. An appeals court ruled in favor of him, saying that gun bans violate the Second Amendment. Nike is suing two of its competitors over patent infringement. Ryan Shook reports. The company filed lawsuits on Monday, one in Massachusetts against New Balance and another in California against Skechers. The lawsuits center around the Flynet technology, a fiber which Nike says it created for its shoes and owns through patents. The company wants New Balance and Skechers to be prevented from selling shoes with the Flynet material. I'm Brian Shook. And the actor's strike could soon come to a close, according to Deadline. The Actors Union and Motion Picture and Television Studios have reportedly reached an agreement on the use of artificial intelligence. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. 
click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, why do we receive the gift of fortitude? We receive the gift of fortitude to strengthen us to do the will of God in all things. Fortitude is that virtue by which we combat those things difficult presented to us in order to reach the good. In this life, perhaps we need fortitude in order to do our work every day. The gift of the Holy Spirit, as this gift of fortitude, enables me to give myself to God no matter what the cost. This enables the martyr to resist the temptation to give in despite much pain and much suffering. And so this is what the will of God calls us to do, to follow the dictates of conscience, the rules of the Holy Church, the commandments of God, but above all, the Holy Spirit speaking in our hearts. Come Holy Spirit, fill me with that gift of fortitude so that no matter what the cost, I may do God's will joyfully and, of course, with love. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 37 minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Zimak from followingthetruth.com. He's got lots of great books that take uh, a look at Scripture and apply them to the day-to-day grind and uh, maybe how we can rely on them uh, in the face of difficulties. That certainly is the case with the psalm we're looking at today. Gary, good morning. Good morning, Matt. All right, so which one are we taking a look at? All right, Matt, today we are, as we continue our look at the the psalms to help, you know, my goal with this series that we've been doing for the past several weeks is to help anyone who is out there right now struggling, suffering, shedding tears about things that might be going on. This psalm, uh, I think this one particular verse we're going to look at in this psalm, is just going to touch on on something that, that, that really got me when I read it. This is Psalm 56, and uh, let's look at verse 9, and here's what verse 9 of Psalm 56 says, My wanderings you have counted. My tears are stored in your flask. Are they not recorded in your book? Um, you know, Matt, sometimes we, we all can tend to feel that if we're suffering, if we're struggling, we're doing it alone, nobody's seeing us. E- even God sometimes, we think, He doesn't know. He doesn't know what I'm going through. He doesn't know what I feel. This psalm, this, that, that incredible phrase that, of God storing our tears in a flask, reminds me that when I'm struggling, when I'm shedding tears, even though I'm not saying anything, God can hear those tears as silent prayers. And my suffering, my struggling, what I'm dealing with means so much to Him that He's storing them in a flask, and He recognizes what I'm going through. He understands and then as this psalm continues, we're going to hear this message of God understands, and he can help me. And then we turn to him and say, Lord, please help me. But it's just a, re- a reminder that he, he gets it. He knows he, what we're going through. 
He does indeed. You know, and I was joking with you yesterday when you sent this psalm over and said that it's what you wanted yeah. to talk about. You know, for my days in the Christian metal scene, you know, <laughs> Flask of Tears would have been a pretty epic uh, oh, man. Yeah. band name. But, um, but the idea of God storing up our sorrows, uh, it, it kind of gets at another level of what God sees and understands. Because it's one thing to say to someone who is suffering, or one thing for when I'm suffering for for me to understand God sees what I'm going through right now. It's another matter altogether for uh, someone to say, God sees everything you have ever been through. <laughs> like that's right, a different right, level right. Uh, when we're talking about what it is that God sees when he sees us. Right. And, and he doesn't forget. And that's the thing too. This is a, um, this is something that um, we can sometimes lose sight of the fact that, God understands everything we have been through in our lives, which somehow these things add up, and the, you know these things sometimes cause us to to be even more depressed. You know, the, these these sorrows on top of sorrows on top of sorrows, and God understands that He understands all of this. And I, and I think what you know, uh, as someone who has like like just about everybody else who has gone through these periods where everything seems to be going wrong, and you're so broken that you can't even pray, that all you can do is maybe shed some tears, this psalm gives us hope that those tears didn't go wasted. God, God saw those tears as unspoken prayers, you know? Sometimes it's okay to just cry when you don't have the words, when you, don't even, when you can't even put two words together in prayer. Those tears were not wasted. Yeah, I... Uh... There was a priest who posted a, a tweet, and I can't even remember. I feel so bad. I, 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 I wish I could remember who I saw tweet this, but he said something about, you know, God sees every sin you commit, right? But he says, mm -hmm. he said he also sees uh, the brokenness in your life that weakened you to that temptation. He also sees the resentment that caused you to make the bad choice. <laughs> he also oh, sees yeah. everything yeah. that made you the way that you are. He sees... Uh, you know, all these things, all the hurt, all the pain, all the inside stuff that nobody else can see that caused you to make that objectively terrible decision. Uh, he's not just sitting there from a tower saying, you know, that's wrong, you're bad, uh, and making like some sort of like impersonal judgment. Uh, these sins that Christ, I mean, and we see this in the Gospels all the time. Like Christ does not merely see the woman caught in adultery as a court case. He does not merely see the adultery, he sees the woman, right? I mean, this is yeah, this is who yeah. God sees. He sees um, the sin that he tells her to go and do no more, but he also sees the brokenness that put her in that situation and has mercy on her. And, and you know, I think that's a great lesson for us both in um, to get some insight as to who God is, what he's all about, how he views us, and also how we should view other people, and maybe give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe to love them or see them as God sees them. And, and boy, I'll tell you what, I struggle with this. This is not easy for me. I'm very quick to judge sometimes when somebody does something. Ah, there they go again, right? That person, that's, yep, I know why they did that. You're so right. You're so right. How many times do I not love or see others like God does? And, um, you know, if he's showing and extending that kind of mercy toward me, which he does, he would expect me to do the same toward others. So it's, a, it's really a two-fold lesson about God's mercy toward me and 
the mercy that he wants me to show toward others. Because you're right, unlike God, we don't know what's really going on inside of that person. Yeah, well, but we get a window into it, right, if we're parents. Um, and yeah. this is this is why the fatherhood of God, God as a loving father, is such an important image, because, um, well, and the church as a as a mother, right, is such an important image as well, that we can see our own kids, right, our own family members, and see kind of the long view of their lives and how they're wired, <laughs> right, and right. what's happened to them at various stages in the game and, you know, how they're treated uh, in various situations at school and, and wherever else, and, and so that we can have that better understanding of someone and what causes them to be a certain way or think a certain way or get in a certain headspace and get stuck there, right? I mean, this is this is part of why parenting is such a gift because it gives us a tiny little like glimpse into how God looks at us when we look at our kids with love and know they've been through hard stuff and we want to understand the bigger view of them in order to help them. Exactly, exactly. And it's just a reminder that there's a lot of stuff going on inside of each of us internally that nobody else is going to see. But as you said, as a parent, you get to see things that maybe somebody else doesn't see when they see your, your child, when the child grows up, they look at them, they don't know the history necessarily. They don't know all they've been through. They don't know what really makes them tick. But as parents, we do. And it, yeah, it's that reminder for us. This is how God knows us. And, and, you know, sometimes this could make us uncomfortable. He knows everything. He, you know, we can't pull a fast one on him. Even when we try to, to finesse him and try to use, uh, you know, uh, try to be passive-aggressive, as we, we all can tend to do with others, God can see through us, and, and he knows us. So it works both ways, but I, you know what? I think it's good to know that he knows everything about me, that he knows my feelings, that he, that he, and that he really cares. And that's why bringing it back to this idea of him storing the tears up in a flask, it, it, it's, it shows that he, he cares so much about our joys and our sufferings that he doesn't want to forget us. He wants to have that memento, because that's who we are. That's what, his, you know, what we're going, going through. Uh, he, he cares about remembering that. And, of course, this is all figurative language. It's looking at God in ways that's hard for us to describe in words, but I think words like this is, are very helpful to, to give us a little bit of an insight, a little bit of an insight into just how much God cares about us. Well, Gary, I agree 100% with everything you just said, except for the part about uh, the passive-aggressive thing. I know you're from Philly, and there aren't <laughs> passive-aggressive people in Philly. There's just regular-aggressive <laughs> people. So <laughs> I get you, yeah. All right, I, but I'm... <laughs> But I'm working on it. I'm trying to refine. We played my... you guys in football and baseball. We understand. We understand. <laughs> I hear you, brother. We've got followingthetruth.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. So many great resources from Gary Zimak over there to help you dive into the scriptures. Thanks so much, Gary. Have a wonderful day. Say hello to our friends at Holy Spirit Radio. You got it, brother. Thanks for having me. Fourteen till Ken Craycraft joins us next. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. 
MetaShare works too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. Irenaeus. It's only recently that Pope Francis has declared him to be a doctor of the church. And this is unusual because he's been dead for many centuries, almost two millennia. But I think he's a man for our time because he's teaching us to think, to have an educated faith, to know the reasons for what we believe and then present those to a skeptical world. On the next More to Life Parenting Toolkit. Parenting questions will give you the tools you need to succeed. That's later today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft is with us now. He is a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. He writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday visitor, among other publications. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Annie. Ken, I don't think it's really quite possible to express the disappointment and, I mean, just real heartbreak uh, that I am experiencing right now that you are probably experiencing right now, knowing that Ohioans on Election Day voted by a 57 to 43 percent margin to enshrine a right to abortion in our state constitution. But we are going to talk today about what pro-lifers can do from a legal standpoint uh, from this point on to try to mitigate the damage done here. And we've talked about how ambiguous the language is in this. um, Do we call it a constitutional amendment now, not a proposed constitutional amendment? Yeah, it's self-executing. So essentially that that's it. That doesn't mean it can't be challenged and and its effect stayed by the court. uh, uh, But but uh, it's it is a constitutional amendment by its terms. It's self-executing. Well, you're kind Um, of answering my first question, which is, can this language be changed at this point or does it go into the Ohio Constitution as is? The language cannot be changed. What could happen is, and, and there are a, a, a number of different ways that um, that Ohio pro-life 
uh, pro-life people in Ohio can uh, can challenge this. Uh, one of which is to challenge the, uh, the 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 entirety of the amendment because of ambiguous terms. So the court could not change terms, hmm. but if the court, if the Ohio Supreme Court were to find under a challenge, it would have to be a challenge uh, of of the language that there is language in it that is so ambiguous that. It is that it's not possible to understand what is and is not permitted under the constitutional amendment, then the constitutional amendment cannot stand under other provisions of the Constitution, which require laws to be clear. Uh, and that's a basic that's a fundamental aspect of any law. A law has to be clear in order to be enforceable because people have to know what is and is not permitted under this statute I, or under this amendment. I would argue that it isn't clear what is and is not permitted. And so I expect challenges to the language of the amendment just on its face as a as a first sort of line uh, of response to it to ask the Supreme Court to strike it down because the language is ambiguous. The court can't change the language, but it could, could but it could in principle. Now I'm saying strike it down. I'm not uh, I, I'm not saying that any of the things that I'm suggesting this morning will happen, but I'm suggesting these are things that could happen and these are lines of attack. Is this something that the Ohio Attorney General would do or would it have to come yes. from someone else? I, I think that the Ohio Attorney General could do it himself. Now, I, I, I'm on thin ice a little bit here, but I think that it could be something that could be done by the Ohio De- Attorney General because I think the Ohio Attorney General could argue that he has standing because it's his job to enforce mm. the provisions of the constitutional okay. amendment. And, and that would give him standing to, to sue because he wants to ask the court, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do, and mm-hmm. and therefore the, that it's it, it shouldn't be a valid amendment. Now, can the Ohio legislature do anything in terms of of passing laws? I can't imagine that they can that they can challenge it, but but can they pass some right. laws to to mitigate the damage done by this amendment? I think there are a number of things that they can do, both to mitigate the damage and to call the bluff on at the supporters of the the amendment. First of all, they could pass laws um, that re- referencing the amendment that require parental notice, for example, because we have said all along that pregnant individual uh, opens the door for minors to get abortions without their parents' consent. Well, the Ohio legislature could pass a law that says, you know, with reference to this amendment, uh, a uh, individual is defined as someone over the age of 18 or 21, 18, for example, or or to put it or to go the other direction that uh, anyone under the age of 18 requires a parent's consent or at least notification. And on its face, the constitutional amendment would forbid that. But the supporters have said that it wouldn't. So that's one way that it could be done. Of course, that law would be challenged immediately by the people who have all along been saying individual doesn't mean minor. They would challenge that law and say individual does mean minor because we know that they've been lying all along. Uh, Another way, another thing that the legislature could do is uh, require uh, reporting abortions of minors to to the Ohio uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services or to some other Ohio official. So if a minor comes in for an abortion, Planned Parenthood or whatever abortion mill is performing the abortion would be required to report to an Ohio health authority that a, that minor came in for an abortion. And this would this is actually a very important provision because uh, that as it's written, the Ohio, the, the new amendment protects rapists, it protects child molesters, uh, and, and, and that's something that is against the interests of the state. And so you could see the Ohio legislature passing a law like that, uh, at 
address the problem of minors. Would, in yeah, well, I mean, would that immediately be challenged? Because I'm looking at the language of this amendment and the state shall not directly or indirectly burden, penalize, burden. prohibit, interfere with or discriminate against yeah. either an individual's voluntary exercise of this right or a person or entity that in, that assists an individual yeah. in getting this right. Yeah. So yeah, so it will it will be challenged, but but again, it, it when if it is challenged or when it is, and it goes to a court, then the, that's when a court will look at the amendment itself and say that the language is so ambiguous, it doesn't tell us how you know what how this law would fit into it. So mm -hmm. a a well crafted law uh, could could be a way into uh, mitigating the damage done to it, or uh, short of that, or actually beyond that. A call into question the legitimacy of the law of the amendment itself because the, the amendment is is so ambiguous or possibly because it violates other rights enshrined in the constitution that's something an ohio constitutional attorney is going to have to look at mm -hmm. um uh, it's outside my uh, expertise but uh, certainly it's possible that uh that could be another way of challenging it that it that it violates other provisions of the constitution and therefore should be should be struck down so that's another possibility how likely do uh, you another, think it uh, is that uh that pro-lifers will try to make a new constitutional amendment proposed oh, constitutional and, amendment and to get this one out i i, th I think it's highly likely and i think we're going to see a, a we're going to see another constitutional proposed constitutional amendment in the next election reversing this one mm -hmm. i i get I, I i'm very confident that that's going to happen absolutely well we got to keep up the prayers for ohio keep up the prayers for 2024 because we know a lot of other states are exactly. facing similar situations that Ohio just experienced. We've been talking to Ken Craycraft, and uh, you can find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Ken, really appreciate your analysis this morning. Thank you. You bet, Annie. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for this hour of the Sunrise Morning Show. we got another hour coming up for most of our affiliates here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It is Wednesday, the 8th of November. Let's begin this morning in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, may those who sleep in death live with you forever. Purify those souls still held fast by the sins of their earthly lives, that they may be ready to stand in your presence for all eternity. Inspire us to pray and do penance for the holy souls, especially our loved ones and those who have no one to pray for them. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and may perpetual light shine upon them. All-powerful and ever-living God, who created humankind for an everlasting sharing in your communion of love, Grant that the faithful departed may be freed from every stain of sin and enjoy eternal rest in our heavenly homeland. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Wednesday morning. The Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has got the video feed up and running in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. You can get a link straight to it. Up this hour, we'll talk to Father Philip Michael Tangora, but there's been some questions about 
conclave rules and are they going to switch up at all? Uh, we're going to tap into his canon law expertise on that question. Marty Arlinghouse is part of a, a group called the Serenelli Project, and uh, they just got an award from Notre Dame for the prison ministry work that they're doing, and he'll share a little bit about that. Father Augustine Weta has more tips for better decision-making with the help of the Desert Fathers, and we'll unpack some of the stuff related to election results from this week. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The pro-life community is lamenting the vote in Ohio yesterday to enshrine abortion rights in the state constitution. With nearly 57% of the vote, issue one passed on election day and the ambiguous amendment is self-executing. Cincinnati Archbishop Dennis Schnur released a statement saying, quote, the people of Ohio missed this important opportunity to demonstrate that the health and safety of women, the fundamental rights of parents and the lives of preborn children deserve protection. Despite this outcome, he said, we are grateful for all of you who prayed, educated yourselves and others and voted no on this horrific amendment. And we praise God for the gift of his great love and mercy, which he continues to pour out to us in good times and bad. Archbishop Schnur said the passage of issue one shows that there remains a desperate need for conversion of hearts and minds to a culture of life in our country, one that respects the inherent dignity and sacredness of every human being from conception to natural death. This conversion will only come about through the witness of our earnest prayer and compassionate care for the most vulnerable among us, end quote. And he urged everyone to redouble their efforts to support ministries that provide material resources and accompaniment to women, children, and families so that abortion ceases to be a consideration. President Biden, however, is celebrating the Ohio vote, calling it a win for democracy. Biden released a statement following the news saying, quote, Americans once again voted to protect their fundamental freedoms, end quote. In other election results, Ohio voters also voted in favor of legalizing recreational marijuana. In Kentucky, Democratic Governor Andy Beshear has won re-election after fending off a challenge from Republican Attorney General Daniel Cameron. In Mississippi, Republican Governor Tate Reeves defeated Democratic Public Service Commissioner Brandon Presley. In Virginia, it appears likely that Democrats will soon control both the Senate and the House of Delegates there, which could provide could prove detrimental for the governor's proposal of a 15-week abortion ban. The Biden administration is stressing that Israel has a right to defend itself from Hamas as the administration has faced growing pressure to push for a ceasefire. Mark Mayfield has more. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said President Biden has discussed brief humanitarian pauses with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to allow aid to get into Gaza. The White House, however, not calling for a permanent ceasefire at this time. Netanyahu has also said he would not consider a ceasefire until all hostages held by Hamas are released. This comes as Israel is bombarding the Gaza Strip and thousands of civilians have been killed. I'm Mark Mayfield. Five presidential candidates will take the stage tonight for the third GOP presidential debate. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, Ohio entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott will all face off. 
North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum did not meet the RNC's criteria and former President Trump is skipping the debate. Meanwhile, Trump's daughter Ivanka is expected to testify today in the New York civil fraud suit against the family business. She will follow her brothers Donald Jr. and Eric, who testified last week, and the former president, who testified on Monday. And Americans currently owe more than a trillion dollars on their credit cards. Brian Shook reports. That's according to a new report on household debt from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. It found that credit card balances spiked by over $150 billion year over year. It's the largest increase this century. Credit card delinquency rates also went up, especially among millennials burdened with high levels of student loan debt. I'm Brian Shook. Today is Wednesday, November the 8th, the Feast of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. Pray for us. Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, we'll talk to Father Philip Michael Tangoro. It's six past. Stay with us. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere this Friday. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Philip Michael Tangora. He's pastor, canon lawyer, and author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Good morning, Father. Good morning, everybody. It's good to have you. And uh, some interesting rumors came out of Rome in the wake of the Synod on Synodality that Pope Francis had been asked and was considering uh, revising the rules surrounding the death of a pope to make the process more, quote unquote, synodal. Um, I should preface our entire conversation, and I want to make sure that this has been said. The Holy <laughs> See has denied that that any changes are coming. Yeah. But this does give us an opportunity to kind of understand a little better uh, how this process works. So a pope dies— what sort of protocols go into effect in the church? Well, the Cardinal Carmelenio would take over the day-to-day administration of the Apostolic See, and uh, then the College of Cardinals as a college, not individually, uh, exercise the governance of the church hmm. during the period of sede vacante, where there is not a pope, it's vacant seat, sede vacante. Um, but the interesting thing was talking about the congregations. So prior to the actual conclave where they're locked in the Sistine Chapel and they vote, they have a period of days where they engage in what are called the congregations. 
And this is where the Cardinals, including those who are past voting age, so over 80 years of age, actually are invited to participate and discuss the issues and the needs of the current church and what kind of specific maybe um, characteristics, gifts, talents, uh, charisms a pope, a new pope should have to be able to address the needs of the church at at the current time. And honestly, this is going to be a very important part of the process uh, once we do get into uh, this situation the next time, because there are a lot of cardinals that that don't really know each other. This would be an opportunity to really kind of, you know, gauge who each of these guys is. Yes. And remember, at a, con- at a conclave, every cardinal receives a uh, portfolio on every other cardinal huh. so that they have the opportunity to read up and study and be like, nice. oh, well, this guy has this gifts and talents and has this background and has accomplished X, Y and Z in their diocese or whatever. So this is something that Uh, provides a little bit of information on all the cardinals. Mm -hmm. But what's more interesting is this notion of potentially having lay people. This is what's one of the discussions. Yeah, there was some as part of the conclave voting in the conclave. Now, the College of Cardinals, first of all, is a uniquely distinctly Latin church institution. The College of Cardinals does not exist in any of the Eastern churches. Mm -hmm. It's just a Latin church reality. And it really the sole purpose of the College of Cardinals is really to elect the next Bishop of Rome. Mm -hmm. That's the purpose. Secondarily, they are the chief advisors of the Pope, either individually or collectively in a consistory. But the reality is that largely the main function of a cardinal is to elect the pope. So if you have now lay people who are going to vote, then why not just have lay cardinals? And I say this, and there's a reason for that. There is a history in the church of lay people being named cardinal. Now, the last time that happened was Teodolfo Mertel in 1858. He was ordained to the diaconate after being named a cardinal. He died in 1899. Uh, it was after that that uh, John the 23rd was the one. Pope John the 23rd was the one who actually made it that cardinals are meant to be bishops. Uh, and then... Uh, in the current law, in the 1983 Latin Code, and notice the cardinals are not going to be in the Eastern Code because it doesn't exist right. as a, an Eastern institution. It says the Roman pontiff freely selects men to be promoted as cardinals who have been ordained at least into the order of the presbyterate and are especially outstanding in doctrine, morals, piety, and prudence in action. Those who are not yet bishops must receive Episcopal consecration. Now that can be dispensed, Canon 351, paragraph one, that's what I just read from, that can be dispensed. And there are men who are cardinals right now that are only priests, they are not bishops. Mm -hmm. But the mentality is that they are meant to be bishops because they're exercising the potential reality of becoming the, uh, the elector of the Pope and becoming possibly the Pope. 
Hmm. So who has to be a bishop. And that's why it is possible for the cardinals to elect a cardinal who's only, or I should say, merely a priest. And at that point in time, they would then be, they'd have to ordain him a bishop prior to any uh, further actions of his uh, assuming office. This is interesting. So I guess the Pope would have to choose if there was a lay person or a priest who could be named a cardinal. Exactly. And so if the, so for instance, Matt Swain could be named by Pope oh, Francis. Oh, man, I would love cardinal. that. He would be petrified. He could be, he could be a cardinal. And the interesting thing is, even if they wanted to say, oh, well, then they should at least be a deacon. Fair enough. We have permanent deacons who are married men. Yeah. Right. Uh, now, the interesting thing would be, could potentially it be a woman? Now, that's an even interest, more interesting uh, circumstance because regardless, sh- uh, you could have, you possibly could have, if you were to uh, forego the requirement of holy orders for as a necessity for the College of Cardinals, if you were to do that, you could potentially have a woman, but she would never be able to be elected the Pope. Mm-hmm. But she could so vote. she could be an elector, but huh. she could never be elected. What do you think is the likelihood that any of this will actually happen, though, Father? Uh, you know, <laughs> these days I wake up and I go, whoa, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> but, so you know, I guess you never what know. I am trying to say is that the history is there. Now, honestly, it, it really not since the 17th century have we had a true lay person although because there were those those people were that were cardinals were in minor orders but at that time Mm. being in the clerical state were in constituted minor orders as well so they work technically clergy now to be a cleric one has to be at least a deacon where previously when you received tonsure you were clergy so they were technically clergy but they were only in minor orders. They were not uh, ordained to major orders. So the diaconate, presbyterate, episcopate. What an interesting conversation we have just had. I'm, I feel so enlightened this morning. We've been talking to Father Philip Michael <laughs> Tangora. You a can lot of fi- history. Yeah, a lot of history there. So some of this stuff not unprecedented. And, um, well, you know, maybe we will wake up and be like, huh. Just like you said. Well, (laughs) we've got holiness and living the sacramental life linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Phil, thank you so much. God bless everybody. You too, Father. Thank you. All right, at 16 past, we're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save 
844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. You know, we talk story with each of our very unique guests for the whole hour so that you can go deep with us as you yourself pursue your own story of heroic virtue and as you pursue intimacy with God. The Bear Wozniak Adventure, Saturday night, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 18 past, here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Pro-lifers are saying they are heartbroken over the vote in Ohio yesterday to enshrine abortion in the state constitution. In other elections, two gubernatorial elections yesterday, Kentucky Democratic Governor Andy Beshear winning re-election and Mississippi Republican Governor Tate Reeves also winning re-election. And the Holy See has once again made an appeal for peace in the Holy Land. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Much more to say about uh, Ohio and uh, a bunch of things related to... Um, I want to ask you about your thoughts, Father Phil, um, suggesting that we make Matt Swaim a cardinal. I think that you don't want me anywhere near... (laughs) So uh, I was I, I, hold on. I, I was thinking this. about this, Matt. Um, I said Matt Swain would be petrified. I, um, I was wondering. I would not be petrified. Any because man they would not ele- vote for me as pope. I was going to say if wh- whoever gets elected pope, does that make them that petrified? That makes them petrified. Okay. I, was, I thought you would appreciate the fact that that petrified thought by, came by into my head. Yeah. But there's a hermit that uh, works for the Coming Home Network. I may have told you about Brother Rex. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a firefighter. He was in the Air Force. And, yeah. Uh, then he uh, maybe became a hermit. And uh, Brother Rex, I don't know if it's a line original to him, but he says, you know, even in the finest restaurants, you probably shouldn't go in the kitchen. And that's how I feel about it. I'm fine with you know, not I've... ever going into the boiler room. I have gotten to see the Room of Tears. Yeah. Which is pretty incredible. Like, you walk in there. And it's just this little room where the Pope cries before he goes out and yeah. says, Hello I imagine that he does feel Pope. petrified in that I would moment. imagine so. Wow. What a responsibility. No, what thank a grace, you. Though. Pick someone else. <laughs> 21 pounds. A lot of you love anything pumpkin flavored and others. Well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. To the most precious blood of Jesus Christ, Almighty and Eternal Father, the magnitude of your love for us is reflected fully in the gift of your only begotten Son to humanity. He is not only equal to you, but one with you. We are indebted to you, and it stares us in the face. Obviously, we cannot pay you commensurately, but we are asking for your grace while demonstrating our willingness to love you in this adoration. We appreciate your benevolence and solicit your continued loving kindness in helping us to put forth a more satisfying gesture of love and gratefulness through a change of our lives for the better. May the holy Archangel Michael and your hosts of angels and saints join us and lead us closer to you through this adoration. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. We're joined now by Marty Arlinghouse, President and CEO of the Serenelli Project in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and one of the very important parts of the Catholic understanding of human dignity has to do with the works of mercy and all of uh, the aspects in which that plays out. Marty, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me. All right. So you got a Verso Alto Award. I'm terrible at Italian. I hope I said that okay. Uh, but if you could, tell us about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think that was a good pronunciation. I'm not sure myself. But uh, we entered Serenelli Project into the Notre Dame Church Properties Initiative uh, M.D. Keller Verso Alto Award competition. They had over 130 applicants from five different continents and we were selected as the inaugural winner of the prize. That is pretty cool. Now, uh, some people might say, well, what is the Serenelli Project? Why would it be awarded anything by Notre Dame? Uh, there are some people who are very familiar with what you do, but there are others who are not. Talk about the work of mercy you engage in primarily and how this got uh, some national attention. Yeah, so I direct prison ministry for the Archdiocese. Uh, that's, I'm, I'm in the prisons about 25 hours a week. And the Serenelli Project was born out of that because we had an inmate one time ask if a guy like him could become a priest. And the last three years I've been trying to put together the sort of community that would be designed for a guy coming out of prison to be able to answer all the challenges that they have when they come out of prison, and especially in practicing the faith. Um, but then to also give them that path to be able to answer a call from God that they feel like they might have. Um, and to give them the proper charism within the Church, uh, mostly as contemplative penitents. Um, we're trying to create a monastic lifestyle for them, and our goal is to, to purchase an old abandoned church in Cincinnati. It's called Our Lady Perpetual Help, and their work is going to be restoring that church. And that's what we submitted into the competition, was this project to, to purchase and restore this church, and that's why they selected us. 
That is pretty cool. Yeah, you're looking at Our Lady of Perpetual Help, which has been abandoned since 1989. There are a lot of these buildings around the Tri-State, actually around the country, um, that have been sort of uninhabited and could use a little bit of restoration. As you know, if you leave a building standing, it doesn't stay the same, <laughs> right? It, right? It deteriorates. But what a cool project. What a cool idea. Uh, that being said, if you want to do this and other projects related to this idea of helping um, to understand that these brothers and sisters of ours who many of them have committed crimes that are you know, pretty pretty horrible and pretty awful to think about, but, but these are our brothers and sisters. They're made in the image of God. Like, What are some of the ways that we can help you in this initiative to help recognize this and help them to uh, you know, engage in their own kinds of works of mercy for other people? Yeah, uh, first thing is, is to start praying with us. Um, we're, we're eventually going to have a page on our website for people to submit prayer requests for us to pray for, and we do pray for those who ask us of, of prayers. Our special charism is to make atonement for the worst and most heinous crimes committed in the world. So all the stuff that makes the news that makes you shiver, and, and that's the stuff that we're praying for in a special way. Um, but of course, we pray for everything. We, we pray for the um, reparation of all sins, and um, we invite people to start praying in that way. Uh, and then if they want to come join us, we always need volunteers. Um, in many different areas, from construction all the way through helping us to run programs. Um, and, of course, we also need donors because we're a nonprofit. Uh, we're not funded by anyone other than people donating to uh, support our mission. And that goes a long way in, in accomplishing the, the, the goal that we have. Well, I know that some of our listeners are very excited just hearing you talk about this and some of the possibilities that this could open up for people who feel like they've been forgotten and thrown away and, and that their lives are over, and uh, maybe they want to connect with you. What are, uh, what's a good way to do so? Uh, if they go on our website, org, we have a contact uh, page on there that, that um, we're a very small organization, so if it goes to the the general email, it's going to come to me or it's going to come to someone who's actually going to respond, and we'll get them in the right spot in the Serenelli Project. Last thing I want to ask you, and I hate to put you on the spot <laughs> too much here, but uh, there may be some people who are thinking, we're in a crazy situation in the state of Ohio involving the culture of life with issue one and elections and the, the yeah. whole abortion question. Why are you guys talking about like prison ministry today? But I bet that if you were to go through the average prison and find out how many of these men have been affected by abortion, you would find a lot of them. This is all connected. I, the more I think about it, the more I pray about it, the more people I meet, I realize all these problems are connected to a, a misunderstanding of what a human being is. Uh, has, has that been something that you've been thinking about at all in the process of working on this ministry? Yeah, absolutely. I, we work with people that at some point in their life uh, did not consider the dignity of another human being, and they're beginning to realize their own and the dignity of others. And um, I, I tell people a lot, I work with the most unchurched population in in society, and um, they've really had no identity or connection with the God who made them. And unfortunately, I think that's kind of like a canary in the mine shaft, that uh, is, is kind of giving us a warning sign of what our general culture is, is becoming. 
And uh, I, I hope that actually through something very small, like the prison ministry, very hidden and, and tucked away, um, that people tend to want to throw away that in, in rediscovering that human dignity at the heart of every person uh, might begin to change some hearts and make us realize uh, who created us and, and the beauty that has been endowed in the human person. Thank you so much, Marty Arlinghouse. We've got the Serenelli Project linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Go check them out and uh, go subscribe so you get show notes delivered to your inbox daily, including a link to the daily video stream. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The pro-life community is mourning the vote in Ohio to enshrine abortion in the state constitution. With nearly 57% of the vote Issue one passed on Election Day and the ambiguous amendment barring legal challenges is self-executing. Cincinnati Archbishop Dennis Schnur released a statement saying the people of Ohio missed this important opportunity to demonstrate that the health and safety of women, the fundamental rights of parents and the lives of preborn children deserve protection. He expressed that he expressed to anyone who prayed and worked to educate themselves and others He expressed gratitude to everyone who prayed and worked to educate themselves and others about the horrific amendment. He urged everyone in the wake of this to redouble their efforts to support ministries that provide material resources and personal accompaniment to women, children, and families so that abortion ceases to be a consideration. Protect Women Ohio, the organization leading the fight to defeat Issue 1, released a statement saying, quote, our hearts are broken, not because we lost an election, but because Ohio families, women and children will bear the brunt of this vote. They said, quote, rest assured, the pro-life movement is more united than ever. We stand ready during this unthinkable time to advocate for women and the unborn, just as we have always done. They said we persevere for 50 years to overturn Roe v. Wade. Ours is a movement that has always endured and always will. They say tomorrow the work starts again as we fight to be a voice for the voiceless and advocate for women and parents. In other election results, two gubernatorial races were decided yesterday in Kentucky. Democratic Governor Andy Beshear won re-election after fending off a challenge from Republican Attorney General Daniel Cameron. And in Mississippi, Governor Tate Reeves, a Republican, defeated the Democrat, a public service commissioner, Brandon Presley. In Virginia, it appears likely that Democrats will control both the Senate and the House of Delegates, which could prove detrimental for the governor's proposal of a 15-week abortion ban. Meanwhile, in Washington, the House is voting to censure Michigan Democrat Rashida Tlaib over her criticisms of Israel following Hamas's deadly attack on the U.S. ally. Mark Mayfield reports. Georgia Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene It appears that that is not going to work right now. So we will move on. Five presidential candidates will take the stage tonight in Miami for the third GOP presidential debate. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie will participate in the Miami debate. So will U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, Ohio entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. North Dakota, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum did not meet the RNC's criteria. Former President Trump, who is considered to be the favorite, according to polls, to win the GOP nomination, 
is skipping the debate. A decision from the Supreme Court is expected next year on whether people who are the subject of protective orders should be allowed to keep their guns. The case that went before the high court yesterday involves a Texas man who assaulted his ex-girlfriend and threatened to shoot her if she told anyone. He was also the suspect in other actual shootings, but an appeals court ruled in favor of the woman's former boyfriend, saying that gun bans violate the Second Amendment. The Holy See has made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Archbishop Gabriele Caccia addressed the UN General Assembly in New York on Monday on the humanitarian situation in Gaza. He reiterated that the Holy See is calling for a just peace that meets Palestinian and Israeli demands. He also expressed the Holy See's concern for the humanitarian crisis in Gaza and insisted on the need for the upholding of support and protection provided to civilians by the United Nations Relief and Works Agency. He appealed that that aid and protection be able to continue. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The actor's strike could soon come to a close. According to Deadline, the Actors Union and Motion Picture and Television Studios have reportedly reached an agreement on the use of artificial intelligence. That's the news. It's now 35 minutes past the hour. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. When we go by a business and see the words under new management, we expect that there are things that are going to be different there. There are going to be new faces and fresh ideas and a new beginning. Paul recognizes that this is what happens through baptism in Jesus Christ. He writes in the second letter to Corinthians chapter 5, From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once regarded Christ from a human point of view, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul's insight is that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has changed the meaning and destiny of the whole world. The cosmos is under new management. God has given back in Christ what we had lost through sin. And he not only gives it back, he elevates men and women to the unheard dignity of the sons and daughters of God. Death now marks the beginning of everlasting life. A world that previously offered despair now offers hope. The division brought about at the Tower of Babel has been destroyed by the power of the Holy Spirit, which speaks the common language of grace every person is capable of hearing if they're willing to listen to it. And we hear this from the heart of St. Paul. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Augustine Weta. He's got a book called Pray, Think, Act. It's all about making better decisions with the help of old monks. Father Weta, good morning. (laughs) 
Uh, good morning. I live with a lot of old bunks, so I make lots of, well, better decisions than I would have otherwise. I was going to say good decisions, but there's just no avoiding the bad ones, I think, sometimes. Yes, indeed. You know, you, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just saying you can always consult an elder, though, and that helps. Most of my elder, uh, my older monks have uh, made bad decisions themselves, so uh, they 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 can coach me through some of the worst and uh, more poorly advised directions in my life. So you know, it goes back to that whole idea of you know who has the most credibility when they tell you that you should look at uh, the solar eclipse not directly, <laughs> but through one of those little pinholes you poke in a box. Uh, you know, anybody can tell you that, but the guy who went blind from doing it has more credibility on the question, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, maybe. On the other hand, I'm not sure I would advise, I'd follow his advice on anything else. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably true. Uh, well, we got a story today of a brother who fell victim to lustful thoughts and had a showdown with the devil. I wonder if you could uh, maybe talk about that story this morning. Uh, wait, I thought this was the one about the monk who was overcome by evil thoughts. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Okay, either one, I I love them all, so... Well, okay, so, um, a brother asked one of the elders, What am I to do? I'm a terrible monk. I eat too much, I sleep too much, I drink too much, and I am plagued by evil thoughts. No doubt he was having some sort of a showdown with a devil. Uh, the elder said to him, Well, you may do very little, but you do it in Jesus' name. Now go back to yourself. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's a lot to process there. You know, I'm sure that there are probably... I, I meet people all the time who tell me what bad Catholics they are. So there's some application yeah. to the laity here, too. Right, right. And uh, people are always saying to me, like, well, not always, but occasionally one says, when you hear someone say, well, I don't see why I should go back, go to confession. I just keep doing the same stuff all over and over again. And I think the point is that, uh, that you really need to focus on the positive. I was actually thinking this morning in preparation for this show that I once asked one of the old monks um, if, he had, if he knew he was going to heaven. He was on his deathbed and... I was curious, and he said, you know, when I think back over my life and all the lousy decisions I made, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hell. And I thought, oh my gosh, he said, but when I think about how generous and loving Jesus is, then I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven, so I just want to keep my eyes focused on Jesus. (laughs) Well, I mean... Who can't relate yeah. to that? <laughs> I mean, I feel yeah, like that exactly. all day, every day. You know, it's interesting. I was reading a quote from St. John Chrysostom recently, and I wish I could remember exactly good how Good for you. Went. I love Chrysostom. He's great. And this one was particularly good. He talked about how the devil wants you to have, like, the courage to engage in sin, but somehow associate shame with repentance. When, in fact, the real thing that you should actually be doing is having some sort of, like, shame over sin and courage to repent. <laughs> he, he sort of oh, flips man. it around on you backway, backwards. And, you know, it, it strikes me that, you know, we talk about the Holy Spirit as your advocate. You know, you're the, the, the one who stands beside you. Uh, and what is Satan but the accuser, right? Uh, so, I yeah. mean, there's all this, all this idea of, of 
I mean, if your if your sins and your terrible thoughts and your regret and your guilt are causing you to run to the sacraments and fall on the mercy of Christ, then that's good. If they're causing you to stay away, that ain't good guilt. Yeah, I have a Muslim friend who says, well, there is no shame, there is no honor. And I really like that expression. Um, but but I think the point of, of the elder's monk in this little parable is that, um, you know, if the devil can't get you to do the wrong thing, It'll get you to worry about not doing the wrong thing. Because either way, you know, you're focused on, well, the wrong thing. <laughs> and really, this life is about focusing on Jesus and the positive. Well, one has a tendency, I think, to to stereotype or to to characterize Christianity as a list of don'ts. I certainly have that problem in my class. The kids say, well... I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't do that. And I say, well, try to think of it. Instead of trying to think of all the things you can't do, try to think of all the things you can do in pursuit of virtue, right? You'd never say, uh, like, how many bags of Cheetos can I eat before the football game? You'd say, well, what kind of diet would help me to be the best football player possible? And the truth is, you know, even if you make your bad decisions, even if you make your bad choices, if you're faithful to prayer, if you go to convert, if you go to confession, God won't be outdone in generosity. Even those sins can be transformed into world-redeeming goods. Well, I mean, the archetype of this is the fact that the whole of salvation history is built on God redeeming a very stupid decision in the Garden of Eden. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like anything is beyond hope. Isn't that wonderful? At the Easter vigil, they say, Oh, Felix culpa, oh, 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 happy fault of Adam. It's like the one sin that we're all, like, really glad was committed because it necessitated Jesus' incarnation and made us brothers and sisters of God. Well, I'm sure that there's somebody out there today who has woken up this morning after laying awake and staring at the ceiling, beating themselves up about all the bad decisions they've made and how they can never come back from any of them. Uh, we just did a segment on prison ministry, right? And uh, people who, uh, even the whole wide world tells them, well, you can never come back from this. You can never redeem what you've done. You know, your 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 life is essentially over. I mean, this, these yeah. are the voices of, of the devil in our heads. What would you say, just a short word maybe of encouragement for someone who is stuck in that headspace? <laughs> Just that we've all been there, right? I mean, we, we've all been, I and mean, that's, that's the problem with sin is that it's a vacuum. It's an emptiness. It has a tendency to suck all the good things of your life into it. So don't let that happen. Focus on the positive. Focus on Christ. Yeah, the victor, right? Uh, the victor, not the lo- yeah. Not the loser, <laughs> right? So, that's, uh, yeah. I tell I love to tell ghost stories, and at monk camp one year, I told the kids a story that was so scary, none of them would go to sleep, and I had to explain to them this battle's already won, buddy. Like, don't, don't, don't be afraid of anything. All you have to do is say the name of Jesus. Every demon in hell has to take a knee when you do that. We've Indeed. already won. Indeed. Great stuff, Father Augustine Weta, as always. Uh, we've got your book, oh, Think, Pray, thanks. Act, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. It's just such a great practical resource, and I love the old monk stories. Thank you so much, Father. <laughs> Have a wonderful day. You're quite welcome. You too. God bless.
All right. We're going to talk more about election results, particularly uh, as they affect the state of Ohio coming up next. Plus headlines with Anna Mitchell. It's a quarter till. Support is for MediShare. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into. And that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can save. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hi, friends. Johnette Williams here. Join me every Wednesday on Women of Grace Live as I welcome New Age researcher and blogger for Women of Grace, Sue Brinkman. Sue and I will be talking about all the wacky things that could distract you from your faith. Psychics, yoga, Reiki, crystals, acupuncture, Ouija boards, tarot cards, and astral traveling are just a few of the stranger things we discuss. That's why we call it Wacky Wednesday. So join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. On the next More to Life Parenting Toolkit. Parenting questions will give you the tools you need to succeed. That's later today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 13 Till, here's Anna with headlines. The pro-life community is lamenting the vote in Ohio to enshrine abortion in the state constitution. Two gubernatorial races were decided yesterday in Kentucky. Democratic Governor Andy Bashir has won re-election. And in Mississippi, Republican Governor Tate Reeves has won re-election. And the House has voted to censure Michigan Democrat Rashida Tlaib over her criticisms of Israel. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Just a brief follow-up uh, to your conversation with Father Philip Michael Tangora Mm -hmm. before we get into some election things. Uh, You had talked about the idea of someone uh, who becomes Pope being petrified. I put uh, a little little tweet out there that says, you know, when someone is chosen as Pope, does that technically make them petrified? And I want to give a hat tip to Andrew, who responded immediately by saying, at first they are afraid. (laughs) They are petrified. Indeed. Indeed. So, uh, but I, I, you know, my my immediate response is it wants to make them leave their keys. Uh, but uh, mm. at any rate, they gotta get some new keys. They will survive. Yeah, they will survive. They will survive. Speaking For a time, of which, anyway, we will survive the elections. I know that uh, the morning after an election, a lot of people are you know doom and gloom and mm-hmm. freaking out, and there are obviously things to to be uh, very concerned about uh, all over the country. 
um, all over the world, <laughs> really. Your whole newscast is essentially my prayer request list. Yeah. Um, but I've been thinking about a lot of things in relation to this. As you know, Anna Mitchell, I don't really – I'm not a, a legal and political correspondent like Ken Craycraft. That's why I do all his interviews. I'm not a yeah. journalist in uh, journalism newsy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, investigative journalist is, is not what I am. <laughs> sure. It's not what I am. Uh, but I do – like to focus on the question of morality and virtue and subsidiarity and what we can do in our families and in our worlds when these things happen. You know, in, uh, abortion is increasingly widely available. It has less restrictions than ever, mm-hmm. and nobody seems to have learned the lesson about what abortion can do. Nobody who's fighting abortion seems to have learned exactly how to comport themselves in a way that will convince uh, others that this is a bad thing. Yeah. Um but even though abortion is very, very widely available, uh, it is still not required, right? It's still right. not required, yeah. which means that the women in these situations who are at crossroads, so they still have a choice. They still have a choice for life. Yeah. Uh, so the question is, what are we doing in our parishes, in our homes, in our families, in our communities to make sure that a person who is in the midst of that decision right now has every single thing they need to calm their fears and make the right choice, even when the wrong choice is legal. And Matt, I've been reflecting on this a lot this morning, of course, sitting here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where voters just chose to put abortion rights into the Ohio Constitution, um, that one of our senators, J.D. Vance, has uh, put forward a bill that would make birth free. And it hasn't gotten a hearing in Congress. Now, I am one. I I am totally into Catholic social teaching and subsidiarity, as you were just saying. And there is so much that we can do. I mean, I was I was just thinking about it now, about all of the – I was just talking to our, our general manager who came in a few minutes ago um, – about, you know, we have and in fact, if listeners go to the Archdiocese of Cincinnati's website, CatholicAOC.org, um, the front page had been dominated by a vote no on issue one um, graphic and, you know, links to resources and things. This morning, of course, in the wake of the vote, um, there is a big quote from Archbishop Schnur. It says, today I call on all people and especially Catholics to redouble our commitment to caring for women, children and families so that someday abortion is not only illegal but unthinkable. And then there's a link that says learn more about supporting women. And there is so much that we can do in terms of here in the Cincinnati area, for instance, there are like 30 something, almost 40 pregnancy centers in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati seeking to provide material support to women who are in need of that kind of support when they find out that they are pregnant. But at the same time, we cannot just sit back and be okay with that because you know what? They get maligned and uh, misnamed and, uh, you know, just put down by the abortion industry, which has a stranglehold on the media, who just 
despise these arguments. Oh, these aren't you know medical facilities, so we need to shut them down. They need to put signs out in front. You know all those things. Um, we need to see some real work on the political side of things to help women. The yep. I, I keep talking about my Catholic political thought course. The role of the government is to provide for the common good, is to bring people to the steps of the church, which is their highest good. We need to be bringing people to their highest good through our government. They can't obviously take over for the church, no. even though they try. Even though we've let them. Yeah. Even but, though we've let them. But we need to be pushing our politicians. We need to be electing politicians to govern us in a way that leads humanity to its highest good. And So this is where I, I, I want to be very careful. I don't want to be misunderstood uh, when I say this, is that very often when it comes to the question of the sanctity of human life um, and the culture of life and the culture of death and all these questions, the conversation is dominated on the left by secular progressives who have a, an extremely distorted anthropology that is in constant flux, uh, right? Um, there is not like this anchored understanding of what a human being is. There is no human anthropology. Right. It's, it's gone. It's yeah. gone. Uh, on the right, so often the loudest voices in the mix tend to come from, God bless them, our, Engl our evangelical brothers and sisters who don't have a a full understanding of the arguments necessary to sustain this vision of the human person and truly promote a full comprehensive culture of life uh, so that we can see I mean for instance this is I mean this came up in, in some of the marriage debates uh, you know the Catholic Church teaches marriages between one man and one woman for life and in some of those alliances we had to in order to try and keep it between man and woman uh, to ally with certain groups we had to drop the for life part from the conversation just so we mm. could win on that particular question and it's the same kind of thing with abortion in these national conversations it is it is important for us to have a coalition that promotes a culture of life but it's also important for us to understand that a lot of the people who get in front of microphones don't understand the depth of the question well, in regards to what informs catholics on uh, this whole idea, I mean, like, for instance, the contraception question is, is I didn't well, even grow up yeah, with that being like a moral consideration. Can I go uh, even deeper on this? Like yeah. when you are in when you are immersed in a theology that is about the individual, which evangelicalism you, fundamentally is. And you focus on the individual and the individual's rights. It is and inevitable. The individual's personal salvation. It right? is inevitable that when you start talking about that and bringing that into a political realm, you're going to have one individual pitted against another individual. And when you know that there are two individuals, one might be inside the womb of another individual, you are pitting them against each other. It's not a contest. It's not a contest. The individual and we as Catholics is not the cell of society, as the church reminds us. The it's family, the family. Which is why we care about marriage so much, which is why we care about life from conception to natural death so much, which is why we care about the elderly in danger of euthanasia so much, because it's not just about one person and their rights. It's about the human family. So we're out of time already. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. <laughs>